Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Genesis chapter number 8. And uh, let's start reading with verse 6. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her feet or her foot. And she returned unto him and to the ark. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. And he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him and to the ark. And he stayed yet another, yet other seven days. And again he sent forth a dove out of the ark. And the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. Let's look at uh, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter number 23. Someone recently asked me, what was my favorite book of the Bible, and you know that's a hard question to ask a preacher, and I found in my lifetime at least, and I don't know if others are like this, I suppose others are too, that that is something that changes from time to time, depending on what stage of life that you're in, and uh, what you may be needing at the time, and so I, I told this person, I said, well, at least for right now, I'm pretty fascinated with the book of Proverbs. And uh, there's just a whole lot of things that are dispensed here that are good for us and that uh, can be interlaced with so many other principles in the Word of God. And so the next question was, is what do you see the overall picture of the book of Proverbs being in? I thought about it for a moment, and I thought, well, it's from the perspective, in my view, of an older man or father speaking to a younger man or son and giving him advice. But it is not necessarily gender-specific in that there is other wisdom that is given here in this book of Proverbs that also pertains to other people other than just young men or it can also be given to ladies and young ladies. And it can also be good for those that are older. And so there's just so many great treasures that we find in the book of Proverbs. And this is a fascinating passage here to me, starting with verse 1. And when thou settest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. 
Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. I want you to notice in verse 2 it says, Put a knife to thy throat. In other words, uh, there's some appetites that you can't give in to. There's some things that you cannot, no matter how much you crave it, no matter how much your flesh desires it, no matter how much you want it, in a spiritual sense, you've got to put a knife to your throat. Now, this wasn't literal, obviously. We're not, uh, we're not condoning anybody doing harm to themselves. That's not what the writer is saying. But he's using this analogy in saying there's times when you've got to learn to discipline and limit yourselves. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that later in this message this morning. But referencing back to Genesis chapter number 8, I just simply want to preach from this subject. And I don't know how it's all going to fit together, but I just feel the Lord in this. I want to preach release the dove. Release the dove. Praise God. Would you lift up your hands with me again and let's pray together right now that the Lord would help us and anoint us. Jesus, I'm praying God for your word. Move upon every heart, every soul, every life that is in this place. You know of every person's need. You are able to minister to those needs. You're able, God, to get very specific here this morning and minister to the needs that people have in this place that they've been asking you even today this morning before this service began they begin to ask you about things and desiring you to work in their lives in certain ways and I'm praying God that you would move in those situations and we thank you for it in Jesus name would you give worship to the Lord the King of Kings this morning again before you're seated. Hallelujah. Come on, I know it's raining outside and I know it's dreary. Amen. But I feel I feel like the sun's still shining on us. Amen. You feel like God is in this house? Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. There's a concern that I have as a pastor, and that is I want to see Christian continuance. Somebody may say, what do you mean by that? I'm thankful for every new face that God adds to the church because every person that physically is here represents a soul that God has saved and God has filled with His Spirit. It's been baptized in His name. And I am thankful for each and every person that we are able to see come in to the kingdom of God. And I'm not in any way diminishing that. In fact, I want to see more of it, and uh, I'm encouraging it, and I desire it. I'm thankful for what we have seen over the last few months and people being added to the church and several baptized. I'm so grateful for it. But in this hour of fluctuation, in this hour of transition and non-permanence, I'm always thrilled about those that remain, remain faithful, remain steadfast, that stay committed to the things of God, that make up their mind, I'm not just signing on to this, uh, to later when I grow discouraged or disappointments come or it does not end up 
being all that I wanted it to be at every time of my life or period of my life. I am not going to quit. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to give up. But I still believe what we started with, we can finish with, and that we've got something that is able to keep us. The Bible said we are sealed till the day of redemption. I believe that the Holy Ghost has the power and is strong enough to keep the world out and keep what we need in, the joy and the peace and the completeness that comes with the Holy Ghost, with the Spirit of God. That seal is strong enough, and I am thankful that He does seal us and keep us. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't fall away from God, obviously. That Scripture people has used that for a damnable doctrine that I, I do not believe of eternal security. I believe that a person can backslide, they can fall away from God, and we see instances of it in the Word of God, in the Scripture. But I believe that if you have a desire to live for the Lord, that you can live for God. That everything that you need to be successful in living for God, He has equipped you with. Amen. Think about it. We have His Spirit, which is greater as He that is within me than He that is in the world. We have His name when we took it upon us in baptism. The Bible said that we put on Christ. Amen. We have the power of His name. We have the authority of His name. And we have strength through His name to see us through whatever that we face or whatever that we may be going through. And not only His name, but we also also have that opportunity to come to Him in prayer and make our petitions known. And we have a God that the Bible says that nothing is impossible to them that believe. So if I come with faith and I pray in faith, I can believe that there's going to be result when I pray, that God is going to move as I pray. And as I, I call upon Him and I petition Him concerning my needs, and I know sometimes we get to thinking because it's our mentality to do so, that we get to thinking, well, I don't know, I, I, uh, I don't know if God is concerned about my need. He said he was concerned about the sparrows that fall to the ground and that he clothes the lilies and he cares so much more about you and is concerned about your needs and what you face and the challenges that are in your life. So you don't ever need to feel out of place petitioning God. My children's never felt out of place petitioning me. They needed money. They don't, Brother Lorman, they just feel very confident to petition me. They need help on something. They feel very confident in petition because I'm their daddy. I'm their father. And that's the relationship that the Lord was referring to when he talked about you and I. Do you understand that you and I are sons of God? Amen. Do you understand that you and I are his children and that he cares about us and that if you have a need that you can petition him and call upon him and it is his good pleasure to move in the prayers and the petitions of his people. Aren't you thankful that God is a prayer answering God? So everything we need we can find in our walk with God that 
everything we need to be successful, everything we need to do to be saved, everything we need to make it, it's there and it's available for us. But I am I'm so grateful to see people that are still walking the old paths, that are still living for God, and the journey has not taken away their joy in living for God. You know, the Bible said the joy of the Lord is our strength. I've seen a lot of people, yes, they claim to be living for God, but they lack that essential element of joy in their life. Somewhere along the journey, Maybe they've had some struggles. Maybe there's been some issues that's come up. Maybe there has been trials that I might say face us all. The Bible said there is no temptation but what is common to man. In other words, everybody has trials. Everybody has things that come against them that would tempt them and draw them away. But it's something to see somebody that has still got what they started with, that still has the joy of the Lord that still has the peace of God, that still can come to church and they worship as fervently as they always have. And they're as faithful as they've always been. And they have a love for God and a passion for God that is not dwindled, that is not uh, uh, ebbed away over time, that is not diminished, but is still there. They still have a fervency. They still have a determination to live for God. That's that's a wonderful thing to know that the devil can't take your joy. Amen. Amen. Matter of fact, when Jesus was admonishing his disciples that he had sent out and they came again and they were testifying about all the things that had happened, they said, man, I laid hands on this guy and he, he was healed and this one over here was bound with the devil and I put my hand on them and I called on the name of the Lord and I cast that devil out. And they were rejoicing about that. And the Lord stopped them and said, look, don't rejoice over those things alone. He said, but rather rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Because you see, there may be some happenings on this earth and situations and events on this earth that may not go your way. I know you're rejoicing right now over all the things that has happened and that are good, that's been done. But there may be a time when you look around and there's not anything good on this level But there's always something that you can look up to that is good. And that is that you have an eternal reward. That your name is written in heaven. You can rejoice about that. And might I say that's one thing the devil can't take away. That's one thing the enemy cannot strip from you. That's one thing he can't get his grubby paws on. He can't take your name out of the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. As long as you continue, as long as you make the choice, as long as you stay committed to God, that's one thing the devil can't get his hands on. And that is he can't wipe your, as much as he'd like to erase some of our names, as much as he'd like to whitewash and white out some of our names, as much as he would like to destroy your relationship with God, he can't do it. Hallelujah. Only you can allow him to do that. Praise the Lord. That's a wonderful thing because, again, we're sealed. We're sealed. Amen. The race, it's it's, it's a wonderful thing to see that the race has not caused someone to become hardened or skewed or bitter or they run with a, they're, they're still in the race, but they're running with a grimace on their face. 
I told you the story sometime back. I read this book called Born to Run, and it was about this remote village in, um, I think it's called Copper Canyon in Mexico, where there's these uh, native folks that live there. And what it really started as is there was uh, all of the the wars and, and things that were taking place and the battles that were going on in Mexico at that time years and years ago driven this small group of people down into this canyon that was, well, it's, it's very harsh terrain and, and there's a lot of different caves and trails and ins and outs and a person get lost in this wilderness very easy. But these people thrive there and they begin to hunt and as they would hunt. You know, a deer, it can run faster than any one of us, of course, in a short distance. But in longevity, they don't have the endurance that a person that has trained themselves has to go a long ways. And so they would pick out a certain deer out of a herd, and they would follow that deer until it just run out of gas. I mean, it just, it couldn't go anymore. And uh, those of you that have uh, rabbit hunted, you know that sometimes that happens even with a jackrabbit, that that beagle dog, he, he doesn't necessarily, he, he's not as fast as that rabbit, but he just stays on his trail, whoa, 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 right on his trail, just keeps on going, and I mean, it's a, it's a funny thing to watch, his old, you know, his eyeballs are flopping and popping, and, and his ears are slapping at, uh, both sides of his jaws, and he's trying to, he's trying to let you know how happy he is to be on the trail of that deer, and or on that uh, rabbit, and, and finally, that they say that rabbit will go out there and it'll zigzag around, it'll run real fast, dart here and there, but then its muscles kind of seize up on it, kind of like me sometimes, and it seize up on it, and it, when, it, when it goes to set still for just a moment to kind of listen where that dog is, then he can't move again, and, and then that beagle comes right up on him because that be- beagle's just following the scent trail and it leads it right to the rabbit. And uh, so that that group of people, they would pick out a deer or some type of animal in a, in a herd or whatever, and they would, they would follow it and follow it and follow it and follow it. And these people trained themselves. This is really where the ultra marathon came from. Oh, they could run over 100 miles without stopping. Can you imagine? And uh, so there's a race that they have here in the United States over in Colorado and uh, there was a man that learned about this indigenous group of people, and he brought this, this uh, tribe over, and some of these runners that were the better ones out of the group, he brought them over to run in this race in Colorado. And there was this lady that had trained all of her life, and she was just a phenomenal runner. Matter of fact, uh, she was just unbelievable how, how good she was. And, and uh, anyway, I mean, it was, she was just a favorite by a long ways. And these tribal people came out, and they didn't even have shoes on their feet. And uh, they thought, how are they going to make it through? They had some sandal-type shoes. And they tried to outfit them with some shoes. And, and, and into the race a little while, they, they got rid of the shoes and went back to the sandals. And this lady was well out ahead of everybody. But when they traded and went back to those sandals that they were used to, those men began to catch up with her. And she thought she was way ahead. And when she looked behind her, she saw one of those tribal people coming up out of a canyon that was real steep. She was all hunched over, sweating, tired, almost to the end of the race, a hundred mile race. 
and she was just give out and hunched over, and she looked, and she knew she was in trouble, she said, when she looked, and she saw that man coming, running up the side of that canyon with a smile on his face. She said, how in the world, after 90 miles, can he have a smile on his face? And that's what the devil thinks about some of you. When you've been through all you've been through and you still come to the house of God and you can leap for joy and you can praise the Lord and you can magnify Jesus and you can give glory to God. He hasn't managed to wipe the smile off your face. You still got the smile just like the night you got the Holy Ghost. That's what this is all about. I believe this is powerful enough to keep somebody. I believe this is powerful enough to help somebody not only get in and be saved, but it's able to keep you saved, and you're able to keep the joy of the Lord. Amen. That's what gives me the strength to keep on running. That's why I can keep a smile on my face no matter how hard it gets, no matter how bad the trial is, is because, amen, I know him, and I know what kind of experience that I have in God, and I'm thankful for it. Come on, let's clap our hands and give praise to the Lord. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in longevity. I, I think it's the will of God that children grow up in the church, get married in the church. Not just in the physical building, you understand. But marry those that are in the church. Raise a family in the church. And again, don't take this literally, but die in the church. But, you know, if I, I might as well die doing what I enjoy doing, and I wouldn't mind going out preaching the gospel. Amen. I mean, Elisha got to see Elijah go off in a fiery chariot. Maybe some of you will get to see me one of these days. Go off in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That'd be all right with me. But die in the church and be buried in the church. And then when the trumpet sounds, to be raised and resurrected with the church. That's the way it ought to be. At no point do you have to go out and sow your wild oats. At no point do you have to go out in the world and try to find yourself. At no point do you have to leave the things of God. But you can stay in the church and living for the Lord. I'm going to tell you, this is powerful enough to keep you. Oh, clap your hands. Come on, let's don't dispatty cake this morning. Let's give some praise unto the Lord. And all of this, in the meantime, staying excited about living for God. Hey, we serve a God that is miraculous. We serve a God that has established a church that is glorious. We serve a God that is powerful. Amen. And we, get, we have this soul-saving message. Aren't you thankful for the revelation of the truth? There's nothing boring about this, uninteresting about this, dull about this, uneventful about this. But I'm still enthused to be a part of the church. Some of you need to check your enthusiasm meter a little bit and say, you know what? I'm going to kick out the cobwebs and I'm going to get excited again because passion is important. 
and what you go after and what you desire and what excites you is important. Amen. And if you're going to be a spiritual success, you're going to have to make up your mind, this is the most important thing to me. And I want this more than I want anything else. And I'm going after God. And I'm going to continue to go after the things of God. And I can get as close to God as I desire to get to Him. I can pray and draw near to the Lord as much as I want to draw near to Him. I don't have to live at a place, a low level of mediocrity and and just getting by and satisfactory in my relationship with God. But I can ascend to higher things and I can go to lower depths in God and places in Him where He can reveal things to me in His Word and He can show me things about Himself that I've never seen before. All of that is possible serving the God that we serve. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in this particular text that after these floodwaters, after the fountains of the deep had been shut off and the rains that had been descending for this period of time had been abated, that Noah, he sent forth or he released, first of all, a raven, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but on two separate occasions, a dove. And I notice something here in the Word of God that is peculiar. I mean, it's amazing to me how closely woven the Word of the Lord in Scripture is. But after, as you look into the Scripture, after the water comes the dove. When John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, the Bible said the Spirit descended like a dove. And then there was a voice from heaven that spoke and said, This is my beloved Son in whom... I am well pleased. Jesus gives us an example of sonship only only after there has been, in this case, there was a sign, but only after water and spirit baptism can you really truly have sonship is the parallel that we see here. For in 1 John chapter number 3 and verse 2, it said, Beloved now, are we the sons of God, and it doth not appear what we shall be. But we know that we sh- when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. At the time of Jesus' baptism, it is the only time that you hear a voice from heaven confirming sonship. We believe the necessity of the new birth of water and of spirit in order to become a son of God. Amen. And you've heard us talking about the power of the name. And you've heard us speak and preach and teach about the power that you have as a child of God to call upon that name and to use that name. And that you you can use that name just like a, a son can use the, the name that has been passed on to him. Uh, his last name or his surname, if you want to call it that. He can use that. And that's his legal right to use that. Well, you have a legal right once you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you've been born of his spirit to use that name. And when you pray in that name, there's authority that comes with it. 
I said there's authority. If I was to use someone else's name here and sign it on, on one of my checks, that, that check wouldn't have any power. It wouldn't have any authority to be cashed. It wouldn't have any, it wouldn't permit anything to happen any further than that. It would just be wasted paper. But when I sign my name on it, uh, there's something that goes back to the legalities that have been established in that account uh, that when this name is signed on to it, there's authority to release funds. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When you use the name of Jesus as a child of God, there's authority there. Amen. There's a release that can take place in heaven. Whatever heaven has the power to do, amen, as a child of God, you've got access to that. I'm going to tell you, heaven's bank account is not low. Heaven's bank account is not in trouble. It's not overdrawn. But heaven's bank account is in abundance. Everything that you have need of, when you call on that name, there's authority in that name. There's power in that name. And one of the most awesome things about that name is when we take a baptismal candidate up there and we baptize him in the name, the Bible said the sins that AA couldn't take away and, and all the drugs anonymous couldn't take away and all the counseling groups couldn't take away and all the, all the things that they tried out there and spent money on. They tried the nicorette and they tried the chewing gum to try to get off cigarettes and they tried the nicotine patches to get off cigarettes and they couldn't do it but one trip to an altar. I said one trip to an altar. Amen. And then to the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus, the Bible says there's remission. That means abatement. That means stopping. Sin's hold. Sin's stronghold. Sin's progression in your life is totally abated when you go down in Jesus' name. Not in the titles, but in Jesus' name. Not in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, which is the name of Jesus. Oh, somebody ought to give some praise to that name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Nor released a dove. And then the Bible says that that dove on its second departure, returned with evidence of peace in its mouth. An olive leaf, of course, a dove and an olive leaf, both are symbols of peace. In Romans 14 and 17, the Bible said, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, the Spirit of God dwells and where it dwells, there's peace there. It's not chaos and confusion. Has this world ever been any more chaotic than it is right now? Has there ever been any more confusion than there is right now? I'm going to tell you the answer, and I, I believe you ought to vote your conscience and all that kind of thing, but the answer is not in who you put in a political position necessarily. And the answer is not in what bill is passed through Congress. And, and I, I was listening to the radio the other day, and, and a person riding with me said, Man, you ever get depressed listening to that stuff? I said, You know, come think of it. You're, you're right. If you listen to it too long, it does kind of get depressing. 
because all they can talk about is their critique about this and what's wrong with this over here and how bad this is over here and the latest the latest gaffe and the latest thing that was said wrong and the latest, uh, in case you guys are wondering, Trump can't do nothing right. Some people say amen and some people say oh me. I'm not here to decide that. I'm just telling you that it's a frenzy all day long, like a bunch of piranhas, just all day long. That's all anybody can feed on. That's all anybody can think about in that world. I'm thankful that my hope's not in this world. But my hope is in Jesus Christ. Paul said, if I had hope only in this world, I'd be above all men most miserable. Amen. There's some pretty miserable folks in this world. There's some pretty, that, that's a statement all by itself. I'd be above all men most miserable. If my hope only existed and only dwelt in what's going on in this world, I would be above all men most miserable. But I'm thankful that I, my eyes are trained and fixed on something else. And that is that I have a God that sits on the circle of the earth. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool, the Bible says. Amen. And though they think they're in control, and they think they got it figured out and they think they're going to make it great I'm going to tell you I know the one that really makes things great I said I know the one that is able to establish all things I know the one that is in control of all the powers that be because the Bible says the powers that be are of God amen and they are ordained of God amen that he allows them he allows them to have the power that they have because he's the God that is in control not only of this earth and the universe, but heaven and earth. Amen. I'm thankful that I know Jesus and I have him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And so peace is one of the one of the things that comes and is the fruit of the Holy Ghost. And there's a lot of things that we can talk about concerning this dove. You know, dove is, is probably one of the more shy, noted for being one of the more shy of, of the species of birds. It's just, you know, anybody that's ever hunted doves knows that, understands that. And uh, I remember as a boy when the doves would come through back behind our house, you'd see a lot of blackbirds and a lot of other species of birds back there, but Every once in a while, you'd catch a glimpse of a dove, and, and the doves would come through. But if they ever caught sight of you, or if there was something noisy or disruptive that was going on, they were gone. And so there's a peace about the Holy Ghost. Amen. You want the Holy Ghost to leave, you just let a bunch of confusion and chaos and people that are going off in their self-will and they have no restraints and no governor on themselves, you can grieve the Holy Ghost. I said you can grieve the Holy Spirit of God, the Bible says. And so we got to be very careful. We, we cannot just let our flesh go and expect something like the Holy Ghost to abide and to stay with us. Praise the Lord. And that's why it's so important that we 
understand that what we're striving for is a move of the Holy Ghost. And sometimes to have a move of the Holy Ghost, that means my flesh has got to die and my will has got to die. And I've got to become submissive to him and to his will and to what he wants. Oh, getting quiet on me now. I guess I need to camp out right there and preach a little bit. And we can turn this into a four or five week study if we need to. But I think somebody's getting what I'm trying to say here this morning. And that is that we want the Holy Ghost to be here. We want the Holy Ghost to be in this place. He sent that dove out the first time. It found no place that was solid to put its foot on. Amen. I'm going to tell you, you, you can't have something that's wish-washy and unstable and unsolid and expect the Spirit to put its blessing on it. He said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's where the Holy Ghost to be, is on the church that is built on the rock, on the cornerstone of Christ Jesus. Amen. Upon the apostles' doctrine. That's where, amen, on something solid, on the foundation of truth. That's where you're going to find the Spirit moving. Amen. There might be a lot of other things that, that look like and are substitutes for and that seem like and can be sold off to somebody that's not very discerning to be the Holy Ghost and to be the Spirit of God. But I want to tell you, in all the fakery, there is a real. In all the disingenuineness, there is something that is authentic. There is something that is powerful. There is something that is pure. And that is the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about just some of this stuff. People say, well, I'm Spirit-filled and they live like the devil six days out of the week and they come to church on Sunday expecting God to bless all that mess. I'm telling you that God's not in that. I said he is not in that. But God is where there's something that's solid. He's where there's somebody that's standing for it. He's where truth is. He's where there's people that are godly. You know, doves are, are finicky also. There's a difference. I know there are a lot of similarities between a dove and a pigeon, but they're not the same. And doves, they're, they're, they're finicky. And, they're, and matter of fact, they, I was doing a little study on this, and I found that, it, that if you're going to keep them, doves don't thrive in captivity. They can live in captivity and survive in captivity, and even that, you can't just put them in a birdcage like you can a parakeet and expect them to survive. But they've got to have a big area. They've got to be able to fly. They've got to be able to stretch out every once in a while and move about. They can't just stay in a little place of confinement. Well, I could preach about that for a little bit. But, but, but anyhow, there has to be, uh, you know, a clean surrounding. I mean, you can't allow it to be filthy, dirty, and a dove to thrive in that kind of environment. Righteousness, peace, and joy. You know, some people, they want to take portions of that equation out. Well, I, I want the joy, but that righteousness stuff. Oh, I'm, I'll pass on that. Like we're going through a buffet line or something, you know. I'm going to tell you, you can't view Scripture as a buffet line. This is not meeny, miny, mo. This is not, I'll take this and I don't want that. 
This is not Thanksgiving dinner, folks. And I know some of you are getting anxious about that. I think I heard somebody's stomach growl just a minute ago. How long have I been? Oh, yeah, it's getting that time, isn't it? But I'm just telling you, there's got to be a cleanness about it. That's why we, we know that you can't get the Holy Ghost unless you repent of your sins. God bless them all, this thumbs up and high-fiving. and Man, you know, I'm thankful for all that if they're getting it. But I'm going to just tell you something. Unless you repent of your sins, you're not getting the Holy Ghost. Because the only way you can be a receptacle for the Holy Ghost is to repent of your sins. And really the only way that you can get remission in waters of baptism, we can baptize you every, every Sunday night for the rest of your life. And if you hadn't repented, all you're doing is taking a swim. All you're doing is getting wet. Amen. But, but when you've repented of your sins and you've got your heart right with God, there's a powerful effect that takes place. Righteousness, peace, and then joy. When you've done these other things, if you've got a spirit that cannot be contained, you've got an unpeaceable spirit, you've got a fighting spirit about you, there's not going to be much Holy Ghost around you. But if you've got a spirit of peace and an attitude, amen, of peace, then there can be joy. There can be the fulfillment and the blessing of the Holy Ghost in your life. That's right. Amen. That's why, boy, I'm getting all over it today, aren't I? That's why, you know, you don't come in here and dance and talk in tongues and get back in the car and be hateful to your husband or your wife. That was, did I hear a mouse walking across cotton? <laughs> I'm telling you, when you get what I'm talking about, it'll cause you to be kind. Not only to your immediate family, well, that's a good place to start. Because I know people can be kind to everybody else, can't be kind to their immediate family. There's something wrong with that. Don't be complimenting everybody else and don't compliment your wife. Don't be telling everybody else, boy, that's a beautiful dress, and don't ever tell your wife that she's wearing a beautiful dress. Hello. This may have to be continued tonight, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, don't, don't be complimenting somebody else, not complimenting, telling somebody else's children how great they are, and you never say a word of compliment to your children. And I, and I think we all ought to compliment one another's children. That's not the point. The point is it starts at home. Bible said in the book of Proverbs, I told you I like this book of Proverbs, it said that there was a man that was a hunter that took not what he didn't take home, what he took in hunting. In other words, he was good at going out there and hunting it down and shooting it, but he didn't like the dressing it out, he didn't like quartering it up, and he didn't like taking it home, and he didn't like packaging it and putting it in the freezer. Hopefully there's no hunters like that here. You know, really, when, when you 
when you shoot the game, that's when the work begins. You got to drag that thing out. You got to field dress it. You got to pack it. You got to take it either to the processor and pay for it or whatever. Or do it yourself. And it's a lot of work involved. There's a lot of excitement going out and taking a trophy, but there's not much excitement with some people in doing all the rest after you've taken the trophy. And that's the way some people are about church. They never makes it home with them. They never take it from church back to the house. Come on, this is something, when I'm preaching about, when I talk about the Holy Ghost, when it really gets loose in your life like it needs to, amen, you can take it home and it affects your daily life. It affects your home life. It affects your marriage. It affects parent and child relationships. It, it, it affects uh, uh, what happens on the job Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday, whatever the case may be. We're talking about a real life-altering, changing, powerful Holy Ghost. Not just a little blessing something you get on Sunday. I'm talking about something that descends and stays. I'm talking about something that abides with you. Do you know that a dove, that they, when they choose a mate, they stay with that mate for life? I'm going to tell you, it's not the will of God that there be this attitude of, of, of well, I'm just with this until something else works out or until things get a little bit better for me or until God starts blessing me again or until I get out of this pit that I'm, I fell into or until this trouble passes from me. I want to tell you something. You'll never really be blessed in longevity with that kind of attitude. If you're just going from the, you know, just till I get back up on the mountaintop. While I'm in a valley, I'm dedicated and I'm consecrated to God and then I get back up on the mountaintop. Bless God, I'm back out there doing whatever. Come on. Get some consistency about you. I'll be a worshiper on Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I'll be there. I'll be at prayer. I'll do whatever's necessary because I want to be faithful to God. Amen. I'm not just in it for the highs. I'm not just in it for what I can get out of it. But I'm dedicated to God because I love him. Come on, is there anybody that loves Jesus in this place? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. A lot of difference between that dove and that raven. That raven flew around and never came back because there was plenty of dead carcasses, bloated carcasses floating out on that water for it to feed on and, and land on. and sustain itself with, the basic difference between the dove and the raven is the dove is basically a seed eater and the raven is a meat eater or anything eater. I mean, whatever's convenient, that's what it'll feed on. That's what it has an appetite for. And the dove only has an appetite for certain things. I'm going to tell you something. This world... With all of its filth and all of its corruption, there's a lot of things to feed on in this world. But that doesn't mean it's all good for you. And that don't mean it's all right. And that doesn't mean it's going to produce righteousness in your life if you feed on it. And you get full of that and there's no room for God. That's why people can come to church and they can Twitter and they can Facebook and they can Instagram and they can check text messages and they can do emails and they can do everything but church when they come to church. Is because they're so full of that stuff. So full of the world, they can't even lay it down for two hours. And that's a long time. 
Amen. You know, I, I read somewhere that the average, and I think for some it's, it's particularly in this church, it's above average that, that are above this. But 150 touches on your phone a day. Now, some of you, you've done that in the last, since I've been preaching. Checking that time. My God, my roast. Dixit Diner's going to be plumb full of First Baptist Church by the time we get there today. Am I right? I'm pl- there'll be plenty of rolls when you get down there. Amen. But I'm just telling you, it's well, what you're hungry for. You know, I, I remember when I'd get out of school, man, it was a long time between 3.30 and 5.30 when mom had dinner ready. Or at least it seemed like a long time. And I'd say, man, I better stay kind of hold off till dinner. She'll notice I've been eating something else. But, you know, I had to pass 7-Eleven and the Conoco store walking down to my dad's office. And when I went into 7-Eleven, I couldn't hardly resist those Kit Kat bars. So I'd get one of them, get down to Conoco, and then they had hot dogs for a dollar. Get one of them. And then across from the work over there was a little uh, Mexican food, uh, fast food joint. And I'd say, hey, hey, Dad, how about a couple few dollars? Go over there and get me a taco. Go over there. And then I'd get home at 5.30. And Mom would notice I was pushing that stuff around on my plate and Pass the salt. Mine needs a little bit more salt. Pass the pepper. Mine needs a little bit more pepper. And I'd shuffle it around. Mom gets looking over there and said, Boy, you filled up on something else, hadn't you? You've been eating junk food, hadn't you? And the reason why some people can come to church and they can't worship God like they need to and they can't get into it like they need to and they can't receive from the Word of God and they're not hungry for the Word of God and they're not hungry for the presence of God and they're not hungry for the things of the Lord is because they've been eating too much junk food in the world. The reason I can come here and praise Jesus is because I had not been cheering on any ball teams. And the reason why I can come here and I can worship the Lord like this and I want to get in His presence and I want to pray and I want to seek the face of God is because I'm not so concerned about what's going on out there. I'm concerned about God getting a hold of me and touching my life in here because what's in here is going to last. What's out there is not going to last. Whatever team wins this week, there'll be another team winning next week, and there'll be losers next week. Whatever team wins this year, the biggest gain that there is, chances are they won't do it for too long. Even if they have a long dynasty, it's only three or four or five years, and it's over with. And they happen to rebuild, and they happen to move on. But aren't you thankful that God's never found himself a loser, but he's always been a winner, and he is here to give us victory. He's here to give us strength. You ought to stand on your feet this morning. Lift up your hands and give praise to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He had to release that thing. Now, he had kept that in that ark for all that period of time, 40 days. Trying to nurture it, keep it alive. And then it came time, he had to release it and let it go. We shouldn't be afraid of a move of the Holy Ghost, a real move of the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about a move of the flesh. I'm talking about a move of the Holy Ghost. You shouldn't be afraid of it. And when a real move of the Holy Ghost comes, a discerning person can tell the difference. 
And when a real move of the Holy Ghost comes, amen, I don't know of anything that is a greater decider of who's really connected and who's not, who's really with it and who's not, who's in the church and who's out of the church. I don't know anything that brings a bigger divide in a church than a real authentic move of the Holy Ghost. Seems like when a real move, the Holy Ghost gets to moving, the hot get hotter and the cold get colder. That's right. Amen. It's a, it's a, it's a, it, it drops, drops the blade, as it were. The Spirit discerns. And the Spirit knows. It knows what we need this morning. You believe the Spirit of God knows what we need this morning. It knows what you came here in need of. The Spirit, if you'll trust it, will move in your life. It'll lead you into things that you need it to lead you into. You may not understand everything. You may not be comfortable with everything. But you've got to follow the Spirit. You've got to trust the Spirit to lead you. Because this world will never be able to sustain you. When Moses was taken under the care of Pharaoh's daughter, she realized immediately, I don't have the ability to nurture this child and give this Hebrew baby what it needs to survive. And Egyptians have never been able to give a true child of God what they need to sustain them and survive. They can, you can fill yourself up with all the things of this world, but it'll never sustain you. She said, go get a Hebrew mother. I'm going to tell you, the church, the Bible said, this is, this is our spiritual mother. This is where I find everything that I need, everything that I desire, everything that I'm hungry for. I find it right here in the house of God, in the spirit the moving of the Holy Ghost. Can anybody feel the Holy Ghost moving here this morning? Come on, let him walk up and down these aisles and in between these pews and touch the hearts of people in this place. Come on, somebody feel after him right now. Somebody open up your heart to him. Hallelujah. 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 You don't have to be afraid of it when the Spirit leads you and when the Spirit guides you and when the Spirit directs you. Matter of fact, you may not possess all of the truth that you are hungry for, but the Bible said when the Spirit of truth has come, it will lead you and guide you into all truth. There's things that are yet to be revealed maybe, but if you'll keep following God and keep listening to the Holy Ghost and keep sensitive to Him, He'll lead you. Amen. As if somebody feels the drawing of the Spirit, I feel His compelling hand drawing somebody right now, even as I speak in this place. Come on, step out where you are and come to this altar and raise your hands to Him. Yield your heart to Him. Yield your spirit to Him. Surrender to Him. That's the key is surrendering to God. Would you come down here and let's, let's surrender the Lord again. Let's surrender our hearts to Him again. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I need you, Savior. I need your touch today. I need your help.